As part of a consultation launched earlier this month, the pensions regulator is considering whether an accredited professional trustee should sit on every board. The watchdog is also focusing on a range of other governance issues, such as whether lay trustees should have to demonstrate how they've acquired a minimum level of knowledge and understanding. I'm Sophia Imerson, Deputy Editor at Pensions Expert, and with me to discuss the consultation today is Laura Andrikopoulos, Head of Governance Consulting at Hymas Robertson. Hi, Laura. Hi. So from a consultant's perspective, have you seen a big difference in governance standards between boards with a professional trustee and boards without? I think it's quite a complex issue. So I'd say that where boards have professional trustees, in my experience, they always do add value. But that doesn't mean that every board who doesn't have a professional trustee isn't well governed. So I think there's a big spectrum. And, and I think it's it's quite a complex matter in terms of this idea of does every board need a professional trustee? I think that would be um, a step too far at the moment to make that mandatory. Uh, there are plenty of boards at the moment that are doing fine without a professional trustee and governance is more than just professionalisation. There's lots of elements to it, like the scheme secretary, the quality of the advisors, the quality of the whole setup, the unique nature of the scheme. Is it DB? Is it DC? Um, so I think it would be too much at this stage just to go for that mandatory accredited professional trustee on every board. And many people have argued that lay trustees are still very important um, and they often have a greater understanding of the employer and the membership, for example. Uh, but do you think that more formal guidance is definitely needed for non-professional trustees? Is that something that you'd like to see? I think it would be helpful, yes. I mean, um, at the moment, uh, as I'm sure you're aware, the regulator is consolidating all its codes of guidance, which is a good start. But I think that um, trustees do need uh, more guidance. So I spend quite a lot of time doing governance reviews and effectiveness reviews with boards. And sometimes, you know, I say to them, so are you happy with the training you're getting? Do you think you're getting enough? Do you think you you know enough for your role? And often a lay trustee will come back and say, well, I don't know. I mean, what's the benchmark? How do I know that I'm getting enough? How do I know that I know enough? So I think more guidance around that would be really useful. Whether it needs to be formal legislation I think is a is a different question. You know, trustee role is a role defined in legislation already, um, but certainly guidance and uh, more uh, help perhaps around induction processes in particular for new trustees, I think, could be helpful. And if there is a change for lay trustees to um, demonstrate how they've acquired a minimum level of trustee knowledge and understanding, do you think that that could have an impact on the number of people that want to be trustees and sign up to be a trustee? It might do, but I think we've already got that problem. So a lot of DB boards, defined benefit boards in particular, are struggling with finding member-nominated trustees. Um, uh, I think that's the reality. Uh, so I think the importance of having those standards is probably outweighs um, the fact that it might make this problem even worse, it might exacerbate it. And I think the fact that we've already got that problem, there are various things that we could do. Um, one is maybe to look at that member-nominated trusteeship uh, requirement that is in law at the moment. Um, obviously, it's ideal to have member representation, but if practically that cannot be obtained and that's leading to other developments in the market, it might need to be revisited at some point. And in its consultation, the regulator also expressed concerns about sole trustees and potential conflicts of interest. So would you say that sole trustees are able to govern effectively or are there definitely issues there? I think it can work in practice. Theoretically, as a model, I don't think it's ideal. So I think boards work best when there's a, a collective, there's more than one person, there's a range, there's diversity. Um, so, so I think you're losing that with the sole trustee. But unfortunately, I think sometimes um, it is 
perhaps the only solution. That doesn't mean it's it's not a good solution, but I think you do lose that collective element. But I think it can work really well, particularly, say, uh, DB schemes, as I was saying, fi- finding it difficult to find trustees, maybe close to accrual, on a journey to wind up, to buy out. There might just be a period of runoff, complex technical decisions required. Sole trusteeship might be, might be perfect in that situation. And there might be other um, niche situations where it's a really good model, actually. Um, I haven't seen sole trustees particularly affected by this conflicts issue. So the conflict, the idea of the conflict is that as they're appointed by the employer, um, they will somehow, and paid by the employer, they will somehow um, not be independent, I guess. That's the concern. Uh, all the professional trustees I know who undertake that role take it very seriously. Um, so, so I haven't really seen that issue, but I do think you lose something in the collective nature of, of board decision-making by having that model. And the watchdog also said that it's considering how to promote more diversity on trustee boards. So what do you think needs to happen here to, to help boost diversity? I think if the larger schemes um, could do a bit more to trailblaze and be great examples of what, what they might be doing um, in their diversity, that might help um, others follow. I think there's still quite a lot of scepticism in the industry about diversity, that it's just a a fad, it's just a new thing, but it isn't. I think we need to get the hard evidence out there that diversity on boards does improve governance. I think there is an issue for the DB schemes. Um, They might be from industries where traditionally there wasn't a diverse workforce and it is quite difficult to to try and be diverse even when you you are trying to obtain that extra diversity of board membership. I think more can be done with advertisements for trusteeship. I think um, it doesn't have to be this scary, huge obligation thing. I mean, it is very serious. It is lots of requirements. But actually, it's also a great experience for younger members of a firm, for firm members who don't have board experience, to actually do something at quite, quite a, a high level and gain new skills. So if it's marketed in the right way, I think there's some some things that can be done to improve board diversity despite the the problems of the supply, shall we say. So does the employer have a big role in that respect then in terms of, you know, advertising how useful that role can be and how it can maybe look good on your CV? Absolutely. So, um, and this is easier for DC schemes where you've got an open, active membership who are uh, synonymous with the employees and you can get your HR director to send out the advert as well as the, the trustee communication that will go out. So so all DC schemes, I would certainly say, should, should do that. I mean, DB schemes as well, but but often there's the problem that there isn't an active membership and through mergers, acquisitions, the membership has now uh, divorced itself from uh, where the scheme now sits. So, so it's a whole different issue. But if you can get sort of HR involved and see it as an opportunity and something actually that is desirable uh, for people to do, uh, I think that's that's one thing that can be done. Thanks, Laura. For more on scheme governance, please visit pensions-expert.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.